In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. By the time uh, that I was actually enrolled at Seminary of the Southwest as officially a postulant of the Episcopal Church and the Diocese of the Central Gulf Coast, I had already had several Bible courses under my belt, both undergraduate and graduate level. I had taken uh, New Testament and Old Testament survey and some books uh, or some classes on specific books in undergrad. And then at Vanderbilt, I had taken other classes in Hebrew, Bible, and uh, intro to New Testament. And again, some very specific classes in specific books. And so when I arrived at the Seminary of the Southwest and I looked at the curriculum for my Master of Divinity, I realized that I was going to be taking at least three more Bible classes. Bible 1, Bible 2, and Bible 3. And I worried a little bit that the studies that I had done elsewhere, that this would be retread for me. And I I thought, well, you know, that's fine. It's always good to have a little bit more of the Bible. But I, I worried a little bit that it would be the same thing that I had learned prior perhaps even the same textbooks. A pleasant surprise at the Seminary of the Southwest was instead of keeping the Hebrew Bible separate from uh, the New Testament or the Christian New Testament, uh, this seminary took these two collection of books and put them together into conversation. And each semester of class, we would have two professors, two scholars, one of the Hebrew Bible and one of the Christian New Testament, and they would be in that class together so that we could have this conversation, not apart, but kind of in dynamic tension with one another. And so I loved this. This was something new, and it was illuminating, and I felt like I was reading the Bible again for the first time. And I had the same professors through Bible 1 and Bible 2, but our New Testament professor went on sabbatical for Bible 3. And so I was excited to find out that I was going to be learning from the dean and president of Seminary of the Southwest, the Reverend Dr. Cynthia Briggs Kittredge. I had read her books and I had heard her preach in chapel and I was excited about this rare opportunity to have her as a professor. And while that whole semester sticks out to me as a bright point in my seminary education, there is one particular class that stands out to me from that time. We were reading the story of the disciples and Mary coming to the temple or to the tomb after Jesus' death and finding that his body was not there. This moment of discovery and then Mary having an encounter with someone who she believed to be the gardener only for her to find out that this was the risen Lord. I had heard this story so many times, hundreds of times prior And so it was one of those kind of stories that the details can really just pass right through you because you believe that you already know all that is there in that particular passage. And so I was surprised when she asked our entire class to stand up and to follow her outside. I was tempted to do this this morning, but our live stream team would have hated me. We went out onto the mott between the classrooms, this kind of grassy Noel, and she took us into a context that felt a lot more like the outside of the tomb than the classroom with our fluorescent lights. She had pieces of paper with different sections of this passage, and she handed it out and gave 
different people in the class, a voice in this particular passage, so we could imagine what it was actually like to hear someone say the words of this passage. And those of us that were not assigned a specific part, she invited us that whatever we felt during the passage, whatever was happening, that we could embody it, that we could act it out. And I'll have to admit, I felt a little silly doing it. All of us out there reenacting this Bible verse. And yet, it was like I was hearing this story for the very first time. Sometimes we need to have things shaken up for us a little bit. We come to church and we read the same stories over and over again. And maybe one year we read from John or Matthew or Mark and then we skip to a new version of that passage in the next year. But there is a part of us, I think, that just simply believes that we already know what these stories have to say to us. And sometimes we arrive at that conclusion even before we hear the passages because the liturgical year tells us where we are at in the story. And so perhaps even on the way to church, on a particular morning, you say, oh, well, we're going to read this passage or that passage. This is where we are at in the story. I already know what Josh or Judy is going to say to us. But interacting with these stories in different ways and hearing them for the first time can help us shake loose the meaning that we have missed. And so this morning, I invite you to hear this story about the calling of the first disciples again for the first time. Jesus, after hearing that John has been arrested, he goes down to Galilee and he finds himself by the shore of the sea. We don't know how many people are actually there. The scriptures tell us who he interacted with, but perhaps the shores were very busy. I know when I read this passage, I grew up in Pensacola, and I imagine it like spring break. Just floods of people everywhere. Jesus is walking along the shore, and he comes to two individuals. Simon, who would be called Peter, and Andrew. And they are caught up with the business of their life. They are fishermen. And Jesus walks up to them and he makes this pitch to them. He speaks in their language. Come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And they don't even question it. They just immediately follow after him. He then goes a little bit down the shore. And I don't know exactly what he's looking for. Again, were there other people there? Did they not have the right qualifications Did the next two have the specific things that Jesus was looking for? But this time he comes to a family-run business. James and John, there with their father Zebedee, and they are mending their nets. And once again, Jesus calls them, Come, follow me. And once again, immediately, they drop everything and follow Jesus. When we read these stories so many times, over and over again, the things that happen can begin to sound logical to us. Yes, when Jesus calls us, yes, immediately we go. This is what happens in this kind of story. We expect it, and so it seems logical to us. But when we read it for the first time, these things don't seem quite as logical. I was sitting with the theologians on our staff around 
the staff table this week on Tuesday as we read this passage together, and people raised questions that I would not have raised. I think Bill said, this all sounds just too easy. This isn't the way these kind of things actually happen. They just all got up and left their things, their family, and just followed after Jesus. That's a brilliant question. There's this term, when someone wears uh, too much cologne for too long, they become nose blind to it. In other words, they keep putting on more and more because they don't realize, they don't smell it any longer themselves. My fear is that I have become nose blind to these passages, that I have simply read them too many times where I stop asking questions like, isn't this all just too easy? And then Erica raised the question of, well, doesn't this seem kind of rude to call James and John away from their father, like in their family business? And Zebedee is just there holding, not the bag, but the net? These are good and brilliant questions, the kind of questions that you and I don't need to be afraid to ask, and we can't lull ourselves to sleep by just simply saying, this is what happens, and so we don't need to ask any other kind of questions. These kind of questions, if we are not afraid to ask them, can lead us to new illumination and discovery, to see these passages in new way and allow God to speak into our hearts and our lives, not simply about stories that happened 2,000 years ago, but what is happening in our lives right now. And that's really where I'm trying to get to this morning, is that this is not just a story about a couple of fishermen that heard a call 2,000 years ago and made a decision A decision that seemed bonkers because they didn't even ask Jesus what the 401k was or what kind of benefits they would get. They just left behind their career and their plan for their life. They just followed after this random stranger who came along and kind of made a little pun about making them fisher of men. That's the one part I really, really like. But what if we heard this passage today? Not as a story about a long time ago, but as a story about right now in our lives. Because Jesus comes to us the same way today. Jesus comes to us in the midst of the busyness of our lives when we have made plans for our career and for our life and for our retirement when we have made careful plans for how our life will unfold. Jesus comes to us with the inconvenient calling to follow him. This calling, this disrupts our life and makes us leave behind things that we depended on and loved to take on this new thing that God is calling us to do. And I want you to notice what the actual calling here is. Jesus does not call these individuals or us in this particular instance to worship him, but to follow him. And there is a difference. And too often the church is ready to trade out language of following for worship, because to be honest with you, worship is easy. Worship is passive. Worship is adoration or expression that can happen from a safe distance, from far off. We can show up just on Sunday and do our little ritual or whatever it is that we do, and then we can go back to our lives and return to our occupations and our carefully laid plans without disrupting anything. We can have our cake and we can eat it too. But following is something altogether different. 
Because to follow someone means to put your eyes on them. To take the step that they take. To go the places that they go. To love the people that they love. And when we follow Jesus, we might find ourselves in unexpected places with unexpected people and loving people that our heart would otherwise be closed off to. And so today, my prayer for us as a congregation is that we would be courageous enough and perhaps foolish enough to actually say yes to this calling of Jesus, to follow him into this crazy world, to proclaim the good news with him, to go the places that he goes, where people are sick and broken and in need of healing and to participate in that healing with him. May we answer yes to that calling. Amen.